Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Good evening, everyone. We begin the readout tonight with the reality of a post-Roe America. While the United States prepares to roll back the clock, stripping away 50 years of reproductive rights for half of the population, it is instructive to look overseas at a nation that only recently decided to move forward. Ireland, where the right to legal abortion is relatively new. Irish citizens voted overwhelmingly in a 2018 national referendum to repeal Europe's strictest abortion law, banning nearly all abortions. The BBC documented the push to make history. I got involved through campaigning because I have a personal experience of chatting for an abortion. I didn't even know if I could ask about abortion. Yeah. I was terrified of being found out, really. It felt like a dirty, felt like a dirty secret. For me, it's so easy to sympathise with this because I grew up in England where abortion, everyone, like, everyone speaks about it, it's not a secret, it's an option for you if you need it. It's still a huge decision, but it's just mad to come somewhere that feels so close to home, you know, yet it feels like a million miles away. That was just four years ago. The reality for Irish citizens was 35 years under its Eighth Amendment, giving a fetus and mother an equal right to life under Irish law. It came at at an unconscionable cost, the lives of Irish women. Notably, Dr. Savita Halapanavar, a 31-year-old who was denied treatment during a miscarriage in 2012. She died of severe sepsis days later. The United Nations Human Rights Council had criticized Ireland's law as cruel and inhumane in the case of a woman denied treatment and forced to go to England for care. Ireland, mostly Catholic Ireland, ultimately decided that the rights and lives of women mattered. And it's a cautionary tale here in the United States as we are now barreling toward codifying that they don't matter. So when Justice Samuel Alito writes, quote, we do not pretend to know how our political system or society will respond to today's decision overruling Roe and Casey, the fact is we do know. It's not a hypothetical. Ireland showed us what it looks like when religious doctrine becomes law. And then, of course, there's the fictionalized version of how it can play out in The Handmaid's Tale. Now I'm awake to the world. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. They said it would be temporary. Nothing changes instantaneously. In a gradually heating bathtub, you'd be boiled to death before you knew it. Well, now we are all awake. As Michelle Goldberg writes in The New York Times, this new post-Roe world order is just as dark, if not darker, than our dystopian nightmares. She notes, post-Roe America will not look like pre-Roe America. Before Roe, women were rarely prosecuted for abortion, though they were sometimes threatened with prosecution to get them to testify against abortion providers. Roe meant that fetal endangerment and fetal homicide laws didn't apply to women having abortions. Once it's gone, women who terminate their pregnancies are likely to be treated as killers. 
There's also the push for so-called fetal personhood laws, conferring the right to life to a fetus similar to Ireland's now defunct amendment. At least three states have already enacted laws with personhood language. Another six states are currently pursuing bills that would ban abortion by establishing fetal personhood. And we've already gotten a clear glimpse of a post-Roe future in the case of Lizelle Herrera. The 26-year-old Texas woman was arrested and charged with murder over a self-induced abortion. She was held for three days before prosecutors dropped the charges. But while post-Roe America will look different, in states like Texas, it's already essentially here. And activists across the country are already mobilizing for our dark future. The Atlantic's Jessica Bruder reported on the network connecting women with services that they need, the so-called abortion underground, noting whatever the laws may say, history has shown that women will continue to have abortions. Jessica Bruder joins me now. Also joining me, Catherine Colbert, the attorney who argued Planned Parenthood versus Casey before the Supreme Court in 1992 and the co-author of Controlling Women, What We Must Now Do to Save Reproductive Freedom. And Controlling Women sounds exactly um, like what we're seeing happen right now. I will start with you, Catherine. Um, what does that mean, controlling women? Because in, in the Casey case, the, the question was whether women had to notify their husband. Just to go through here, at issue, there were five provisions in, in the Pennsylvania Abortion Control Act. One commands that unless certain exceptions apply, a married woman seeking an abortion must sign a statement indicating she has notified her husband. That husband notification provision constitutes an undue burden, is therefore invalid. That's, that was the, the case that she won. If abortion simply becomes illegal, it isn't about notification anymore, what happens? Well, uh, you know, what, there's a variety of uh, effects. I mean, what we're looking at is about uh, 40% of women who have abortions every year living in states that are likely to ban. Uh, and those bans will span from Georgia west to Texas, from Canada down to Mexico. Hundreds of thousands of women who are facing unintended pregnancy will be affected by these bans. And what does it mean? It means that they can't exercise decisions about when, where, and with whom to have children. It means that they will have to travel uh, long distances, sometimes 200 up to 1,000 miles to obtain appropriate care, uh, which has severe jeopardy to their health. But like we saw in Ireland, it will also mean that women who have wanted pregnancies uh, who uh, are facing a need to terminate that pregnancy due to a variety of health effects uh, will also suffer uh, and uh, be unable to obtain appropriate care. And as you pointed out in your opening, we're likely to see an increase in prosecution, primarily against uh, black and brown women who have less access to care and who are um, often singled out due to discrimination by uh, authorities, uh, going after them for criminal prosecution, for essentially trying to have an abortion in whatever means is appropriate and best for them. It is, you know, and just, uh, let me just, yeah. uh, the yeah. only thing I'd add there, Joy, is this is the worst it's ever been in this country uh, since 1973. And, uh, you know, I can't overstate how problematic it is. No, I, I, indeed. And, you know, the Casey case was in the 90s. You know, this, it, we, we've rolled back um, so far. And I want to bring you in, Jessica, because your piece was quite striking about this abortion underground, um, this sort of underground railroad of trying to get women care and the home remedies that people have come up with. Talk a little bit about that and what we're 
probably going to see because, I mean, look, they're, the right is not satisfied. They, they, they aren't sated by uh, this leaked ruling. Kevin Kramer, um, Congre- uh, Senator Kevin Kramer, um, has already talked about a national band. Joni Ernst and other senators have. This is what Senator Kramer said. He mentioned someone crossing North Dakota state lines to get an abortion. He says, I don't find a lot of solace in that just because it didn't happen in my state. So, yeah, I think you could expect that pro-life activists would push for federal protections. So you're talking about a potential underground that would have to be nationwide. Yeah, well, let's bring up the point that bans on abortion have never stopped abortion. Even some of the people with the least autonomy and the most draconian circumstances in American history, enslaved people, were known to use cotton root bark as an abortifacient. There have always been efforts to reclaim autonomy when there was none and always been mutual aid efforts. And that's what people are talking about now. One of the reasons we can't go back to a pre-row world is because we now have the abortion pill, which is actually two medications, mifepristone and misoprostol. It's discreet. It can be sent in the mail. It's already being sent to all 50 states through a European organization called Aid Access. People are finding it on the plancpills.org website. And it essentially enables people to have an abortion, an early stage abortion at home. And we know that 90% of abortions in the U.S. are first trimester abortions. So this bill is really changing the picture. In 2020, more than half of abortions on record involved the pill. So part of this network of people is there are people who are already stocking up on the pill. There are people in Mexico who want to bring the pill in and get it into people's hands. There are people passing all sorts of things around. And there are people getting ready to move doctors around, too. I spoke with an organization that's bulletproofing vans. So a lot of movement in our future and a lot of people gearing up to do what they believe is needed. I will add to that. There are some companies that are talking about covering the travel costs um, for their employees that need to get abortion services. Citigroup, Match.com, Bumble, uh, Yelp, Lyft, Amazon, Levi Strauss, Apple, some others. Um, and you also you have you know people that are that are looking to help. But I mean, the question then becomes, how do you protect yourself against your doctor? There is a long history. Mother Jones had a piece about this long history of doctors reporting their own patients. Um, Catherine, and I'll throw this to you, you know. This is what the Mother Jones piece said. Medical staff have long reported pregnant people, predominantly women of color, for things they think might be illegal or otherwise disapprove of. Doctors and medical staff are in many cases literally empowered by state law to intervene when they believe a pregnant a pregnant person has caused harm to their fetus. In other situations, medical staff may be outright confused about the responsibilities are. If you're in a state like Texas and you even get the the pill at home, uh, you, you take one of these pills to induce an abortion and then you don't feel well and you go to your doctor for care, they can report you and collect a bounty. Right. So the point and is, that's is exactly that- what happened. That's what happened in the Texas case. And the woman who was prosecuted for self-managing her care uh, was reported by a hospital when she went to seek care. It's just, it's extraordinary. But the reality is it is black and brown women who are going to suffer on uh, when that happens because our, the prosecutors, the, the rogue prosecutors, are much more likely to target them uh, than they are uh, other white women. And that, that's a big problem. And, and Catherine, I, you know, in this, your piece, you talk about this underground. If there's a national ban, and, and it's very clear that the religious right and their elected officials who, you know, cotton to that belief system, and at least five members of the Supreme Court who are also, 
I would say, members of the religious far right and are showing it. What if they make it illegal to even have these pills in your home or to send them across state lines or to receive them in the mail? Then what? Well, that's exactly what uh, the 26 states are doing. And uh, I think let's just go back, Joy, and, and say one really important thing, which is this is about political power. Uh, if there are enough votes in the Congress to ban abortion nationwide, they will do it. And our job is to make sure that that doesn't happen. This is about winning elections. It's changing the faces of people who are serving our country in state legislatures and in Congress. And until we get serious about that and change those numbers, uh, make sure that uh, we have a majority of people who believe in women's autonomy and bodily integrity and equality. Uh, we're going to suffer these consequences. And so we need to get serious. And, and Jessica, you know, in your reporting, have the women who are forming this abortion underground, are they aware that if the Republicans take over the United States Senate and the House, they are likely to make it illegal to even possess these drugs? They're very aware. I mean, they've been aware for a while that this was coming down. A lot of people who watched the court or just took Trump at his word when he said he planned to stack the court to overturn Roe uh, knew that this was a possibility and even a likelihood. So, yeah, people are preparing. I, I mean, it's, it's amazing. You can even get abortion pills via aid access um, for advanced provision now. People are getting them as a break under glass thing. I have, I have a bunch sitting on my desk. This is mifepristone and this is misoprostol. And I don't know how people would, would keep those out of the mail. This looks like an Altoid. Um, people I met were also teaching each other how to do procedural abortions, manual vacuum aspirations. People had bought devices like this on the internet and we're training up to do procedures that in many nations are not done by doctors. They're done by trained clinicians. So people are trying to keep all their options on the table. Let me, before we go, just show you guys the 20 countries that ban reproductive rights. Andorra, Aruba, the Congo, Curaçao, Dominican Republic, Egypt, El Salvador, Haiti, Honduras, Iraq, Jamaica, Laos, Madagascar, Malta, Mauritania, Nicaragua, Palau, Philippines, San Marino, and Senegal, and perhaps soon the United States. Um, unbelievable. Women apparently have no value um, to a certain segment of this population, and they're making us, they're making that very clear to us. Um, Justice Alito made that very clear in his ruling. Thank you, Jessica Bruder and Catherine Colbert. Up next on the readout, newly released audio tape from Kevin McCarthy from two days after the January 6th insurrection in a serious discussion about removing Donald Trump from power. Plus, the red states where overturning Roe will have the most severe impact on women, especially, as we've just been discussing, lower income women and women of color. And call it the leak freak. Republican politicians want everyone to focus on the leak and anything else that changes the subject from their partisan court, stripping women of their rights and dignity by banning abortion. The readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. 
And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Just a short time ago, we learned of newly released audio of House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and Republican leadership recorded just two days after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. It was obtained by New York Times reporters Jonathan Martin and Alex Burns for their new book, This Will Not Pass. It confirms previous reporting from the duo that McCarthy not only condemned Trump's actions during the insurrection, but even discussed the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office, though Kevin was worried that the process might take too long. But what the president did is atrocious and totally wrong. Um, from the standpoint, we're 12 days away. I mean, the one point I'd make with Biden, if you have an impeachment and you're stuck sitting in the Senate and he needs cabinet members, you've got Secretary of Defense, you've got a lot of things that you've got to have moving. And if you think from a perspective, you put everything else away, this country is very, very divided. I mean, I've got people I never thought would be in this type of position that very sophisticated. They think this thing is going to be different. They're angry. They want to continue to fight. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. It seems like there's um, definitely, obviously, anger on their side, but but also um, division uh, strategically on what to do. You know, I think the options that have been cited by the Democrats so far are the 25th Amendment, which... Um, it's not exactly an elegant solution here. That takes too long to it. could go back to the House, right? Yeah, and, and if, correct. If, if the president were to submit a letter overruling the cabinet and the vice president, two-thirds vote in the House and Senate to overrule the president. So it's kind of an artful... With me now, Maria Teresa Kumar, president and CEO of Voto Latino and Democratic pollster Cornell Belcher. Thank you both for being here. And Maria Teresa, um, you know, we knew this information. You know, it is just interesting sort of hearing McCarthy in his own voice sounding completely rational. You know, it does sort of really dig the point in that none of these people are saying what they actually think now. They're saying what they think, what they know Trump wants to hear. What do you think it means for our politics that they're willing to do that? Well, when you take the collect, you take a state back and you see that this is an individual that is aspiring to be Speaker of the House. And when he's asked on record whether he said this, he's not only denying it, but we need to show the tapes. And it speaks to a larger problem of the GOP. They say one thing that we can listen to what, uh, you know, Kavanaugh was saying, and he's lying. MacArthur's lying. Uh, Joy, I'm right now in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and I have to tell you, people are hot on McCarthy. They're angry and they're upset because they're talking about this is no longer politics as usual. This is about the erosion of democracy and the fact that we have Republican leadership not recognizing and owning where we are is where a lot of folks understand that we we have to address it. And it will be interesting to see how here in California, even in his district, how McCarthy gets out of this one. Well, it's it's interesting, Cornell, because it's not just him. You know, I mean, J.D. Vance just won the primary in Ohio for the United States Senate. And he literally said Trump is maybe Hitler. And now, and then he went swung all the way the other direction to become a Trump sycophant. 
Um, he's got all that Peter Thiel money. Peter Thiel's basically purchased a Senate campaign, his Senate campaign. And, it, you know, the question is whether Republican voters will punish someone like J.D. Vance for having gone off the orthodoxy or whether they simply reward them because they are a Republican and they don't care what they have said or say. Well, well clearly, clearly they're not they're not uh, punishing them. And there's no accountability here. In the end, and I've said this about Trump before, they will forgive him all his all his his evil doings, whether it be, you know, to, you know sexual assault, uh, corruption, what have you, as long as he is their tribal strongman. Right. Uh, Joy, it, it is when 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 people feel this sort of fear of the other and that they're losing something and they really do think they're losing this country and this country is their country. Nothing else matters. They will cling to their tribal strongman as long as he does not offend them uh, in that tribal and nationalistic matter. They'll forgive almost anything. And we've seen that time and time again in, in, in our politics as of late. You know, and I think that's absolutely true. And Maria Teresa, I mean, one of the issues that I've even known people who have been Trump, just dogmatic Trumpists, not because they like Trump, but because of one issue, abortion. They would forgive him anything, calling, you know, the countries they came from. I know uh, a, a couple that are originally from an African nation that they are with Trump, even though he said their original country was an asshole country. But abortion, 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 that's all they vote on. Trump could be the devil himself. They don't care as long as they get abortion ended. Well, now that that is coming, I wonder how that's going to affect both Democratic and Republican politics. Let me play something that hasn't happened before. This is the two top Democrats in the country talking directly about abortion rights. Here's President uh, Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris. This is about a lot more than abortion. The idea that somehow there is an inherent right, that there is no right of privacy. What are the next things that are going to be attacked? Because this mega crowd is really the most extreme political ex organization that's existed in American history, in recent American history. Women's rights in America are under attack. Those Republican leaders who are trying to weaponize the use of the law against women. Will we say, how dare they? How dare they tell a woman what she can do and cannot do with her own body? How dare they? Do you think that this, the end of Roe, will crystallize the minds of particularly young um, voters on the Democratic side? So I was in that room last night. That was at Emily Lindbergh, the vice president address. I'm on the board of this, and I think we were all kind of trying to figure out how do we how do we make sure there's an urgency of now. That leaked document allows us now to give a roadmap of why people need to go out and participate. And that room last night, Joy was energized. They were hungry and they were saying this cannot stand because the president and the vice president are not wrong. This. By repealing abortion, you open the door to other rights. We're talking about LGBTQ. We're talking about revoking mar gay marriage. And the list goes on. And it's time for Americans, whether we're independent, moderate Republicans and Democrats, to recognize that it's not just policy issues that are on the line, but also little d democracy. Who is the country that what kind of legacy are we building for ourselves and for our children? And oftentimes people say, no, you know, the midterms is going to be about inflation and about the economy. You know what's an economic issue? Whether or not someone chooses to have another child. 
This is a private issue. This is someone that's a health care issue. And we have to make sure that Americans everywhere recognize that this is the beginning of an erosion of rights if we don't participate in this midterm. And, and Cornell, I mean, all the way down the line, I mean, at this point, if once Roe is gone, what state you live in and who you elect as governor and your state legislature will literally determine whether or not you are state property the minute you become pregnant. That's the, and until they pass the national ban and then we're all really um, in, in trouble. You did. You have seen some evidence that people are paying for some of the worst offenses. There is a Democrat who won in Michigan. He beat a guy named Robert R.J. Regan in a special election for a Michigan House seat. He flipped that seat. It was a 52-40 vote. Um, and this man had said that he told his daughters, the Republican, the Republican had told his daughters, just lie back and enjoy it if they're ever raped. So that man lost. So that seems like good news. At least there's some line that, Repu- that that voters will draw. But the enthusiasm numbers for Democrats have not been good up until now. This is before this Roe breaking news. Do you think that the literal end of abortion rights changes that? A couple of things, Joy. One is take note that that was that was that was Vice President Harris in campaign mode. Yeah. Um, and she had the flair. She had the 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 the, the draw. She had the, she had the energy there. And I think we're going to see a lot more of Vice President Harris in campaign mode speaking to this issue about about women's rights and rallying voters around it. And we desperate and we and Democrats desperately need need her need her to do that. The other part about this, it is it is the math. And, you know, I, I can't I'm not going to speak to it to 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 sort of the, the moral piece of it, like like Maria just said, I can't I can't touch that as well as she did. But I can speak to the math of it. And and here is the possibility. If you go back and look at what typically happens in a midterm election, you look at the 20, 2010 midterm election and you look at the 2014 midterm election, 2010, the, the gender gap was actually non-existent. Right. It, and in 20 and in 2014, Democrats only won women by by by, by four points. That's very different from what you have in a in a in a general election. But in 25th, but in 2018, we won women by by by, by 15 points. Will we have a reversion back to the mean or will we grow yeah. that gender gap? And I think this gives an opportunity to grow the gender gap. Uh, I, one would hope so. One would hope so. We're out of time, but um, we're going to have to continue this on another on another on another uh, segment because I'm at the time I'm being told. Go to break. Maria Teresa Kumar and Cornell Belcher. Thank you both very much. And still ahead. Yeah, uh, NBC's Yamish Alcindor traveled to Mississippi to speak with the director of the Women's Care Clinic at the center of the Supreme Court case. The only abortion clinic still operating in that state. Yamish joins me next. Summer, the best time of year, usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there's another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. Here, everyone can have lounge chair access, no reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, we have all the essentials you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Alpha One Niner, commence Wi-Fi device checklist. Laptops, on. TVs, streaming. Game console, console Smart thermostat, set for cuddle time. Doorbell camera, whoa, my package is here. Fast, reliable, able to power tons of devices inside your home at once. All systems go, you are clear for takeoff. This is Xfinity Internet, Wi-Fi built to wow. And watch the short film, The Aviators. Now playing at Xfinity.com. Restrictions apply, actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed.
The news that the Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade was an earthquake for millions of Americans. Shannon Brewer, the director of the Jackson Women's Health Organization, the Mississippi Clinic at the center of the case currently before the Supreme Court, and the last remaining abortion clinic in the state, got the news while at the airport. Brewer spoke with NBC's Yamish Alcindor in her first remarks since the draft opinion was leaked, saying she was disappointed, but not surprised. I'm a little too frustrated to actually comment on what's going on because I feel like they have shown what America is, what America has become. According to Brewer, things are about to get far worse for women of color in conservative states like Mississippi, where access is already limited. I think it's going to be detrimental to the women of Mississippi. I think it's a shot in the face. It's just like, bam, to women of color, especially that, which is the majority of what we're seeing here. I think it affects them more than any other race. And I think it's done purposely because it affects them. A lot, you know, every time there's something that, that goes on, we every time women of co- color get something that makes them more equal, then it or something else is taken away. These people, they want to control everything with, you know, all women. They want to control women, period. But women of color are the ones who are going to be affected the most by it. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation, people of color in Mississippi comprise 44 percent of the population, but 81 percent of the women receiving abortions in the state. If the court overturns Roe v. Wade, these same women, often poor, will have the hardest time traveling to a different state to terminate a pregnancy. And it will become even more onerous for Southern women, where all of the states will have bans on abortion. Take, for example, Louisiana, which is right across the border. In 2006, Louisiana passed a trigger law that would automatically ban abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. The law prohibits abortion in all circumstances, with no exceptions for rape or incest. Louisiana's trigger law and the state's near-complete ban on abortion would immediately take effect. One anti-choice activist in Mississippi told Yamiche that they will not stop until abortions are unavailable to every single woman in America. We believe that we can abolish abortion in our lifetime, so we're never going to stop until abortion is fully abolished. Joining me now from Shreveport, Louisiana, is Yamiche Alcindor, anchor and moderator of Washington Week on PBS and an MSNBC Washington correspondent. So you've been in two states, Yamish, um, talking with both, you know, anti-abortion activists and also with, um, obviously, the, the woman from the last abortion clinic left in Mississippi. Do you get a sense that on the side of, of people who want to provide these services, that there's fear about the future? What is what do they think the future is going to look like? Well, Joy, I've been driving across the South since this news broke that the Supreme Court was poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. And I can tell you that not only the fear, but the concern and the devastation um, of people who are supportive of abortion rights is palpable. You heard Shannon Brewer say that she believes that women are going to be hurt by this, especially women of color. I also spoke to Lillian Newton. She's a 32-year-old who's had three abortions. She used to protest literally at this clinic, which is only one of three clinics in Louisiana, but she's since used this exact clinic to get her abortions and she's become an employee. She told me that it's going to be dangerous if abortion clinics are closed in Louisiana and this region. Here's a little bit of what she had to say. Not everyone has the ability to travel and will take matters into their own hands. And I can't say I wouldn't do the same right now if abortion access was restricted. It's already become an extreme, an undue burden 
is very present currently in the abortion process here in the South. Um, and it's already so difficult. It's already a waiting game. It's already expensive. Without that, without the little access we still have, I would be lost. And I think most women would feel the same way. And Joy, she told me over and over again that she feels privileged because she was able to get an abortion. But she said that it really is a right that is completely critical to women's lives here. In this state, women, if, if Roe is, if Roe is overturned, women would have to drive something like 12 to 13, maybe even 14 hours to get to different states like Illinois or Maryland to access abortion. So this is going to be an incredible burden. Um, healthcare officials tell me here. I, of course, have to say that there are people who are celebrating this decision, like the young man that you pointed to. It is a culmination of the conservative movement's goals sure. that they've been working on for more than 50 years. And by the way, let me just note that the the countries in the world that ban women from getting abortions are some of the poorest countries in the world. And the places that you are have some of the greatest poverty. These are states that don't provide even the basics in terms of health care and services. So they would make their states even poorer. Uh, It seems to be by design. One last very quick thing I've been seeing in some of your other interviews, you've been doing really great work. Um, that you actually spoke with activists on the anti-abortion side who said their next stop is to go after gay marriage. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's right. Um, I spoke to a protester who was protesting for decades outside the last abortion clinic in Mississippi. And I told him, I said, well, what would you do if this abortion clinic is closed, if you get what you want? And he told me that he would turn his gaze to same-sex marriage, that he would then start pushing the Supreme Court to abolish that. So what you have here is a conservative movement that is already focusing on the next thing. And the next thing is taking away rights from same-sex couples. Um, And I should also say that there are people who are, of course, supporters of abortion rights who have that same fear. They're both sides in some ways are turning their gaze toward that issue. And the state of Brewer in particular told me once you take a right away, it's very hard to get it back. So that tells you a little bit about what people on the ground here are thinking about. And by the way, the, the, the Supreme Court decisions on gay rights and gay marriage, et cetera, uh, all hinge on the exact same right to privacy that the abortion uh, right did hinge on. And very quickly, Louisiana legislature is considering legislation during this year's session that would prohibit health care providers from remotely prescribing abortion-inducing pills over the phone would make it illegal for such medications to be mailed. So they're going to try to stop it any way they can. Yamish Alcindor, you're doing great work. Thank you very much. Really appreciate you. Um, Republicans are apparently in such a little tizzy about the Supreme Court leak. They can't even find time to celebrate their big win, stripping women of the right to control their own bodies. So what's that about? Senator Tammy Duckworth joins me next. It was one of those news days that stopped the nation in its tracks. A Supreme Court leak on the expected demise of Roe v. Wade. Stunning, tangible proof of what may be ahead of us. An unrecognizable America where women's bodies are no longer their own, but instead are state property. That whole Handmaid's Tale comparison, it is not a meme. It may soon be America. Yet no one appears to be madder about the news than the Republicans. They're not celebrating or processing such implications. They are instead seething over the fact that it was leaked. You need, it seems to me, excuse the lecture, uh, to concentrate on what the news is today. Not a leaked draft, but the fact that the draft Was leaked. Whoever did this leak 
should be prosecuted and should go to jail for a very long time. I don't know who did it. I hope we find out because the person or persons who did it really struck a blow against the rule of law. Mm -hmm. An attack on the fabric of America, on the courts, on democracy itself. Now, let's not forget that the right loves leaks when it's about Hillary Clinton or Hunter Biden. But when the leak exposes them, well, suddenly it's an insurrection, an act of terrorism against the court. Okay, so now you're mad about an insurrection? Note it. And of course, when all else fails, the right turns to a tried and true method, which is to blame the black lady. I find it suspect that the first leak coming out of the Supreme Court in history comes shortly after Judge Jackson is confirmed. I want to know if her law clerks, who I am sure have already been hired, possibly even working at the high court already before her swearing in, have access to these draft decisions. She would be my first suspect when it comes to the leak. <laughs> She's not on the court yet. Well, it's all fake outrage to just distract from what the leak exposed, the deeply unpopular position to wage war on women's bodies. With former Attorney General and Hand of the King Bill Barr joining Megyn Kelly's Sirius XM radio show to suggest a special counsel and a grand jury. No, not to investigate the fact that the wife of a sitting justice played footsie with an insurrection. Oh, no, no. A special counsel to find the SCOTUS leaker. Joining me now is Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. And Senator, it is it is quite interesting um, that the right, you know, you can name any senator, uh, any Mike Lee was out saying this. You've seen Mitch McConnell, et cetera. They want to just focus on the leak. But do you agree that the reason they're doing that is that they don't want us to pay attention to what they've done, the court they built that has stripped women of their rights? You are absolutely right. That is exactly what they want us to do. They want to distract us to be focused on something other than the fact that they have successfully mounted this long-term war against the right of women to control their own bodies and that they're on the verge of taking away a fundamental right that, by the way, 70% of Americans support. 70% of Americans have said that they do not support the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So they want us to to focus on something else. And by the way, if you want to talk about insurrections, I'm sitting in a seat right now that is literally uh, about a yard and a half away from where the insurrectionists um, broke through the window to try to climb into the United States Capitol. That was a real insurrection. This is about Republicans mounting a successful effort thus far that is about to result in taking away the fundamental rights of women to control their own bodies. Yeah, it, it gets no more ridiculous than Josh Hawley, you know, who tends to be ridiculous. Um, this is a guy who voted to overturn the election, to overturn the will of 80 million voters. He wants to see an impeachment happen. Oh, suddenly now you're for impeachment as well. Um it's interesting to me that they're acting as if this has never happened before. The original Roe v. Wade case actually leaked. Um, it, it leaked. It, it was leaked by a Supreme Court clerk to a Time magazine reporter in January of 1973. The issue of Time with an article titled The Sexes, Abortion on Demand, appeared on newsstands hours before the decision was announced by Justice Harry Blackman. So that's happened before. Um, I don't recall anybody going to jail over it. Uh, but let's talk about what is going to happen next. Is there an appetite? particularly among the women in the United States Senate, including some Republican women like Lisa Murkowski, um, to codify Roe into law? 
Well, I, I would hope so. But right now, I think what we need to do is we need to keep putting the bill on the floor to codify Roe into law and keep putting the Republicans on record, either voting for or against it. They need to stand up and either vote for or against it. And if they vote against it, then we just keep putting it on the floor for votes, vote after vote after vote to make it clear to the American people that what they need to do is vote this November and make sure that we have a majority in the United States Senate uh, and in the, in the House, large enough that we can actually pass this legislation that would codify rule into law. Is is it possible to make that case? Because, you know, there is there is a lack of motivation that we've seen among Democratic voters, you know, uh, anger over inflation and over not getting some of the things that President Biden promised to do, because, of course, he didn't have enough of a majority to do it. Do you sense among your constituents enough anger to say, yeah, you know, Democrats may not be perfect, but the answer here is get us more Democrats. I Listen, I think so, especially as people find out what is at stake here. This isn't just about access to abortion. I mean, that in itself is more than enough to mount the campaign to codify Roe into law. But think about things that are uh, that are dependent on Roe. I went through IVF. In vitro fertilization would be put in jeopardy some of the procedures that my doctor performed to implant a fertilized egg into me that resulted in their destruction of some of those fertilized eggs would be considered manslaughter. People who want to start families won't be able to start families. Wait till people find out that some of these enumerated rights that are not deeply uh, embedded to the Constitution, like the right to contraception, the right to um, not send your kids to public schools, uh, all of these rights could be taken away. If, if, if abortion rights does not get you angry, then I sure as heck believe that people are going to be angry when they realize how many things could be taken away. Interracial marriage, interracial marriage, uh, gay marriage, there's all sorts of rights that are not enshrined in the Constitution. Nowhere in the Constitution is the word privacy uh, written about. And so, you know, this this decision is going to gut literally decades and 100 years of precedence when it comes to um, the legal system in this country. And uh, we, we we have to fight. And I, I will tell you that I've been hearing from people all over the country, not just from Illinois, who are ready to go. They're ready to take this to the polls in November, and we're going to win it. And do you fear that Republicans will make good on the promises that some um, senators have already made, that if they take over the United States Senate, they will pass a national ban on abortion? I do fear that, and I because they have been as good as their word when it comes to the state legislatures. You know, think of all of the states that have those trigger laws that were just waiting for Roe to be overturned, and then they mounted a decades-long campaign uh, to to stack the Supreme Court. I mean, you've got everything from the denial of President Obama to seat a Supreme Court justice in his last year, all the way through to the rush seating of Amy Coney Barrett in the last months of a presidency during the final months of a, a presidential election campaign. They will do this because they have told us that that's what they're going to do. We better believe them. And by the way, I'm from Illinois. We have women who will drive a thousand miles, a thousand miles across hostile territory just to come to Illinois so that they can access reproductive rights. We cannot let this happen across the country. And I think that, you know, Alito claiming that in his ruling, uh, the draft ruling, that this only applies to abortion and don't worry, it doesn't apply to anything else. Yeah, that's what they said about Bush v. Gore. Then they've used it. That's what he said about 
Roe v. Wade being settled law, should anyone believe anything that he or the other say? I mean, members of that party have gone out and said that women are overeducated. People who are against Roe being overturned are just overeducated and just need to find a man. I mean, that is what they think about women, right? That women are just beings who exist only to reproduce and for men's pleasure. I don't see any evidence to the contrary. Do you? Well, and, and the thing is, the women who are most likely to be affected by this are women who are who are of the lower socioeconomic spectrum who can't afford to take the days off from work to drive a thousand right. miles to access productive choice. The women who are on, uh, you know, federally supported programs like uh, uh, Medicaid, you know, the women who are, are struggling to make ends meet, to get by, the women who don't have a criminal justice system that truly represent them. Um, and, a, yeah. and a healthcare system that truly listens to them. I mean, we're going undergoing a huge maternal mortality crisis in this country right now, especially among, in particular, Black women uh, and Brown women yep. as well. And and they do this to women's healthcare. Yeah, and they're coming for uh, uh, birth control pills next, guys. They're coming for that. Count on it. Yeah. Sammy Tammy, Senator Senator Tammy Duckworth. Thank you very much. Up next, America reaches a chilling milestone in the pandemic. We'll be right back. Late today, the United States passed an extremely grim milestone. More than one million Americans have now died from COVID. One million people. That number is really just unimaginable. It's more than the battle deaths in all of our major wars combined. It's hard to even know what to compare this to. We far surpassed the 600,000 Americans who died from the 1918 Spanish flu. This is a sobering day and a reminder that this pandemic is not over. About 360 Americans still die every single day. It's a trauma that will live with us for the rest of our lives. One almost certainly made worse by so many Americans' resistance to vaccination and masking. I will leave you with the flags displayed on the National Mall last year, at the time marking more than 600,000 deaths. And that is tonight's readout. Today's news requires more facts, more context, and more analysis. The world's never been harder to understand. That's why it's never been more important to try. MSNBC. Understand more.